Are you ready, Christine? Sure am. Are you ready, Ma? Yes, I am. Listen to the story. I forgot what you were going to say. I did. I forgot. That's what happens when you're trying out new catchphrases. <laughs> well, we are going to a uh, Victorian-type mansion way out in the outskirts of somewhere. <laughs> we're going to Somewheresville. Somewheresville. We are doing Murder by Death, 1976, yes? Correct. <laughs> now, was that the date that you think that the actual movie took place, 76? No. No. Okay. I think it took place in the 30s. Ah. And oh. I will get into my reason. I will get into that. I will okay. get into it with you because I have a different take. Um, okay. <clears throat> the world's greatest detectives have been invited to dinner, but when murder is on the menu, who will make it to dessert? Oh, where'd you steal that from? The yeah, little blurb that comes up. When I, do I have to tell you? I, like, what? I couldn't make that up myself? <laughs> I know, but I know that you didn't. I did not. <laughs> but I knew where to steal it from. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's might white of you, if I may say. <laughs> one of my sayings. <laughs> Not a popular one around the house, but yep, been known to say it. Oh. Particulars. Particulars. Murder by Death. It came out June twenty third, nineteen seventy six. It is directed. Mm. It is directed by Robert Moore, who also did the cheap detective chapter two and he was really known for his theater work he did um, theater promises promises which was based off of the 1960 film the apartment and he also did the boys in the band and in tv he also did the bob newhart show and rhoda the screen the screenplay is by neil simon who's Mm -hmm. a famous playwright american playwright he did wrote the Odd Couple, The Sunshine Boys, The Goodbye Girl, and California Suite. All of those films he wrote the screenplay for, and they were also nominated for Oscars, and they were all based on his plays because he didn't like the film adaptation of his play Come Blow Your Horn. So he was like, all right, from now on, y'all want to make these movies about my plays? I'm writing them. So that's what he did. He always considered himself a playwright first. He has this quote. I always feel more like a writer when I'm writing a play because of the tradition of the theater. There is no tradition of the screenwriter unless he is also the director, which makes him an auteur. So I really feel that I'm writing for posterity with plays which have been around since the Greek times. So hmm just throwing a bit of shade on the whole screenwriting profession. Yes, he is, and I don't know that that's wise. Well, he's Neil Simon, so he can get away no, with it, not. I guess. He's actually Neil Simon, not Neil Diamond, but let's go on. Oh, I thought I said Simon. Okay. I heard Diamond, and you could have said Simon. <laughs> that would be really funny. Simon, I'm going to support you for this on. Thank you. So that'll be funny. Now I'm going to always say Neil Diamond, though, because now that's in my head. So thanks. You're welcome. You're welcome. This was edited by Margaret Booth, who also did Mutiny on the Bounty, The Goodbye Girl, Annie, and Nerd Alert. She was the first 
cutter. So they used to editors were called were called cutters, but she was the first oh. cutter to be called a film editor. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. And in the, her obituary from the Guardian, it says, "quote She was a pioneer of the classic editing style, the so-called invisible cutting, the aim of which is to make the transition from one image to another as seamless as possible, so the audience was almost unaware of the flow of action shots within a sequence." Narrative was dominant, maintaining a continuity of time and space and matching cuts to action. So she was a, a pi- early pioneer master of the match cut editing. And that's like when you see somebody open a door and you cut on the action. So if you're on one side of the door and they open the door and then it cuts to another shot, it's at the same flow of action. I so understand that. And it was also edited by John F. Burnett, who also did Grease, the Heart is a Lonely Hunter and the Way We Were. The music is by Dave Grussin, who also did Three Days of the Condor, uh-huh. The Graduate, mm. and The Goonies, just to name a few. Director of photography is David M. Walsh, who also did Cleopatra Jones, Silver Streak, and Private Benjamin, to name a few. Oh, okay. Oh, Private Benjamin. That would be a I good know. one. I, did, have we done it? Uh-uh. I, I thought that maybe we had, but I didn't look back. I guess we haven't. Speaking of Private Benjamin, all right, settle in, people, for the starrings. Starring Eileen Brennan as Tess Skeffington. We saw Eileen in the last picture show. She was also in The Sting and Private Benjamin. Yes, she was. We have Truman Capote as Lionel Twain. That, that blew me away. I didn't know he was in a movie as an actor. I know. So Truman Capote is famous for being an author. He wrote the short novella, Breakfast at Tiffany's. He also wrote The Innocents. And he's probably most famous known for his true crime novel, In Cold Blood. In Cold Blood. <laughs> he was just known as a... Uh, uh, in addition to being a writer, just a celebrity, and he was openly gay, and he would be—he uh, would just appear on talk shows, right, Ma? He was just a guy mm-hmm. that that would go on talk shows. He and- was the person. Like, if you w- wanted to be in the presence of the it person, you had to be uh, in the presence of Truman Capote. That's what I remember. Yeah. Um. We have James Coco as Milo Perrier, a.k.a. he's a spoof of... Perrault. Perrault, yes. The the guy that uh, Kenneth Branagh plays in, like, the Murder on the Orient Express, that guy. Um, The French detective. Yes. In this case, Milo is Belgian. Belgian. French. Um, James Coco was also in A New Leaf, The Man of La Mancha, and Only When I Laugh. We have Peter Falk as Sam Diamond, who is a spoof of the Sam Spade character and Humphrey Bogart's character in Casablanca. Peter Falk is most famous for being Columbo. Columbo. We always get... So, listen to this. I didn't realize this. Columbo was a television show from 1968 to 1978. And then it came back ten years, like eleven years later, and ran from eighty nine to two thousand three. It was so good. It and was so good. He was also known for the films Murder Inc. It's a mad, 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 mad world. Woman, a woman under the influence, and The Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. 
And nerd alert, he had his right eye removed when he was three. Yeah. So much like mm-hmm. Mac, that right eye mm-hmm. of his, fake. I mean, Mac that's doesn't why, have a fake eye, but that's why it did never f- settle on anything. Yeah, it was. I was when I was watching, I was like, "Where's that eye going?" It's. Mm-hmm. Huh, I I I knew there was something off, but I can't tell which eye is the, is like the, like you know when when people have a a lazy eye, I mm-hmm. can never tell which eye is lazy. So in this case, I was just like, huh. I I have a dear friend who taught with me in first grade, and she had a little girl who um, had actually two glass eyes. The little girl was blind. Sweet little girl. But you have to get those updated as you grow, Mm. because one day one of the eyes popped out and rolled across the floor. Oh, my. (laughs) It was Mrs. Ashton, and she handled it with total grace. That's how she is. Just calm, cool, and collective. That's right. I would have had to be like, I'm sitting down behind my knees hurt. I know. I know. <laughs> Can somebody Sorry. collect her eye, please? Um, we have Alec Guinness, Sir Alec Guinness as Benson Mum. That he, that voice. He was also in the Bridge on the River Kwai, Doctor Shivago, and the OG Obi Wan Kenobi. Obi Wan. Elsa Ling. Ling- <laughs> Caster, Lancaster. She's back. Mhm. As Jessica yeah. Marbles, aka Miss Marple. Um. She we had. She looked week. different. She did. She's I, a I, shapeshifter. She's she a shapeshifter. She looked different mm-hmm. in every single thing. We're sitting there watching it, and we were like, "That woman looks familiar." Mm-hmm. Oh shit! We saw her last week. Mhm. Yep. Um, she yeah, last week with Willard, she was the bride of Frankenstein, and also she was in witness for the prosecution, just always shifting, shape shifting. Yep. David Nivens as Dick Charleston, aka Nick Charles of Nick and Nora from the Thin Man film, exactly. And we love them, I know. So, David Nivens is famous from he was in the Guns of Navarone, the yes, Pink Panther. My man Godfrey and Around the World in 80 Days and playing Dora Charleston, a.k.a. Nora Charles. So they were, instead of Nick and Nora, they were Dick and Dora. You have Maggie Smith. A young. Young Maggie. I had never Sexy. seen young Maggie Smith. Didn't she look like Susan Sarandon? She had a vibe. Yes, Susan Sarandon vibes. She was in Sister Act. I think she's probably most famous as McConaughey from the Harry Potter films, and Violet Crawley from Downton Abbey. Right? Downton Abbey, yeah, the the old aunt. Mm-hmm. She's as of this taping, she is still alive and, and probably still working. Yes. Um, we have Peter Sellers. Ah, we have Peter Sellers. Oh, yeah. This is a tough beat for Peter Sellers fans Oof. out there like me. All right. So we have Peter Sellers. Oof. He's playing Inspector Sidney Wang. It's, it's, the shine has dulled. Um, based <laughs> on, but man, but I love the Pink yeah. Panther and like, and his other, when he's playing a white person, real big yeah. fan. <laughs> but, I mean, we'll get into it. The fan has done one of my people that will talk about. Mm, Okay. 
We have. I mean, so, it's already been dulled, but for me, you know. Sorry. Uh, we have. He's played Inspector Sidney Wang, which is based on the Chinese Hawaiian police detective Charlie Chan, who is based actually on a real life Chinese Hawaiian Honolulu police detective named Chang Apana. Do you know that Charlie Chan was never played by a Chinese person? Well, yeah, that makes complete sense. And we'll get into that. Believe me, if you listened to the last episode last week, you know the reason I picked this film because I was going to, we're going to have some laughs. This is going to be the Two Things Are True podcast. We'll have some laughs and it's also going to be very cathartic. Oh, don't worry. Because I'm warming up the coals over here to rake some people over them. So it's going to be fun. We're going to have a good time. Get your drinks ready. Cast is coming. Yeah. Oh, man, so much. So, Peter Sellers, the Pink Panther, Inspector Crusoe. Uh-huh. He was also in Dr. Strange Love, and he was also in Being There. He was also in this other movie called... What is that movie I have? Something about foxes. That has one of the funniest, like, beginnings to me. But this, this is just... This is tough. All right. We have Nancy Walker as the maid. She was in McMullen and Wife. She was also Aunt Angela, Sophia Petrillo's sister on The Golden Girls. In Rhoda, she was Ida Morgenstern. Yes, she was. (laughs) And she was also that in the Mary Tyler Moore show. She also directed episodes of Rhoda, and she directed a feature film called Can't Stop the Music, which I think has something to do with, like, the village people and stuff. And making his film debut... At the tender young age of 36, we have James Cromwell as Marcel. He was so good. I know. Well, we saw him. We did The Queen. He was also in Babe, which he did Babe, and then he became a a vegan. He was also in L.A. Confidential. And must remember that he was he's an activist about that activist lifestyle. Mm -hmm. He was uh, a member of the Committee to Defend the Panthers, which was an organization that came together to defend 13 Black Panther Party members who have been imprisoned in New York on charges of conspiracy. So I ask, how many Black Panthers have you freed today? Because my man freed 13 of them. So salutes to living that life. Um, and we have Richard Narita, who played Willie Wang. He was in The Golden Seal, The Girl- Girls of White Orchid. And this guy was in so many TV shows. Dallas, The Young and the Restless, Sisters, Beretta, in all the TV shows because Young and the Restless must have been they must have needed a an Asian actor at some point. And we have Estelle Winwood, who is the old woman. She was in Darby O'Gill and the Little People. Oh, was she? Mm-hmm. She was also in The Misfits, Camelot, The Producers, and this was her last film. Although she went on to, I think she ended up passing away at 104. So she like did TV and stuff. She was just always out there. Some <laughs> Betty Davis went to her 100 party and somebody was asking her like, oh, how's it feel to be so old? And she's like, why do you keep reminding me? She was just had all these quips and stuff. She she smoked three packs of cigarettes a day. <laughs> like, just wild. So there you have the particulars. 
Well, I will set the table. The movie starts with a person being filmed from behind, writing out invitations to a dinner party. We meet the various couples having difficulty finding the mansion where the dinner takes place. The invitees are parodies of famous detectives and foolishness ensues. What could go wrong? Well, we're, we're here for it right now. The, uh, the POC in the cast. Um, I said that the character of Mr. Wong was a POC, but I didn't see any action. Well, yes, and his, his adopted hmm. Japanese son was a person of color, too. Yeah, no, Peter, the inspector, he is not a person of color. Like that, like, no. That is Peter Sellers in what is called yellow face, which I'm sure we will be getting into very shortly. There is one person of color in this, and that's the Japanese-American played by Richard Narita. Playing Willy Wong, the adopted Japanese child. Yes. third. The third adopted <laughs> child. Yes. I'm settling back. <laughs> you have your drink, you're ready. I will say before you get started, might want to take a sip yourself, that it this film totally devalued any female characters. Oh, this film was all about everybody gets stereotyped, but that's that's part of the 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 issue of why we can go into cast with it because it's we got american stereotypes we got british stereotypes french stereotypes women stereotypes we got all of that that's going everywhere but the reason that the yellow face in particular is so egregious we'll get to that so first just right off the bat let's let's just put this to bed Black history is American history. Not this y'all isn't y'all too. I'm just putting it out for the people who just are continuously trying to say, no, we're teaching history right and and outlawing things like the 1619 Project, which is on Hulu right now. I highly suggest you watch that. This is the y'all to them, to those fools who are playing themselves. Because since y'all don't want to teach What's right? Let me just uh, let me break it down because it, it's not going to work trying to appease people and to appeal to people's better senses. I'm like, oh, but is it? No, you have to explain why white supremacy hurts white people, and then you got to hit them in their pockets because that's what they've done. All they've done is do in, in upholding white supremacy. It has all been an advertising campaign, basically. It's all spin. It's all of that to make that's you can see it going on. It's how they said turn defund the police into being mm -hmm. a bad thing. It's how they've taken woke into being a bad thing. So this is this is from a website called this is a list of 10 ways white supremacy wounds white people. A tale of mutuality by Greg Elliott this is on his website. Quote, white supremacy insidiously tricks white people not only into believing that we are supreme simply because we are white but also that the end of white supremacy would mean an end to our own survival 
A huge step in the process of facing whiteness is being able to distinguish one's spiritual self from one's socialized self, understanding that one's social self will continue to operate, but that there is a deeper human self under the calcification of our hearts, longing to remember that we are connected. We are one. So that pretty much, I kind of wish that my man Greg would go into more specifics on how white supremacy harms, really? messes with we white people's money, because that's when the, ch the real exactly. change is going to come about. Exactly. But anyways, all right, let's get to the yellow face. So like, to get to sleep, I'll be watching Perry Mason. I'm on the first season of Perry Mason from 1958, and there's an episode called The Case of the Empty Tin Can. The Empty Tin, sorry. The Case of the Empty Tin. I can't tell you. I watched this thing so many times, I cannot tell you what the, the actual case is about. But there was a scene where I was riveted. There's this actor, and he is named. he's a Chinese-American actor named Benson Fong. And I am riveted by this man's monologue that he delivers. So in the episode, he's a, he's a Chinese guy. And at one point, uh, Mason goes to him and Mason asks him, tell me, where's your broken English? Because he because when we first saw him, it was very, you know, very uh, upsetting. You're like, oh, it's the 50s. And he was he was talking in you know, the broken English like Peter Falk or Peter Sellers character is doing. And then, you know. Mason gets a little bit of information and goes to see this guy again. And this guy, he's like, where's your broken English? And then this guy gives this monologue. Oh, it's fantastic. He's like, you do not expect an accent from me, Mr. Mason. Most people do. By giving them what they expect, I save many explanations. And then Mr. Mason's like, so did you kill so-and-so? And then he's like, I came here to kill Mr. Mason. A man is a complex thing. He misinterprets so many things in life because of his viewpoint, himself, his ego, his selfishness. Well, it is 50,000 years fighting out of a cave against 5,000 in society. I was just, this is 1958, and this Asian actor is just dropping these gems. Of course, the screenwriter is a white man, so you know that the point is that I guess I'm trying to say is that this isn't a new thing. This, right. you know, this, like, they, I think a lot of times they want to say, oh, well, we, there aren't any Asian actors. And so we had to put Peter Sellers into this. Yeah, no, you didn't. You had Benson Fong, who was riveting, who could have played Charlie Chan. You know, like a Charlie Chan knockoff. This is like bullshit. Because that man, um, Mr. Fong, he ended up dying in 1987. So he was alive when this movie was being made. So why? W what the fuck? Man, Teen Vogue. I had no idea that Teen Vogue was like in the socials like yeah. they oh. are. They had an article by Gene Fang called Yellow Face, Whitewashing, and the History of White People Playing Asian Characters. It's a fantastic article. The quote basically sums up the whole thing. Um, it is the height of white privilege to think a white person is better equipped to play an Asian character than an Asian person. So this whole thing of white people playing Asian actors, it's, 
the the term yellow face is when a white actor dons Asian-esque stage makeup and costuming to play an Asian character. One of the earliest times that this happened was on in the stage in the theater in the mid-18th century in a production of The Orphan of China. And that predates Chinese immigrants arriving to American soil by about 100 years. So before, like, you know, we had an influx of Chinese immigrants coming in, there were already productions where Western, like white people, Western society and stuff just took what they thought was a, was Chinese and Asian things and then presented it to the masses and being like, look, behold, this is what Chinese is. This is what it means to be Asian. So you have this quote by Robert G. Lee. This is, quote, yellow face exaggerates racial features that have been designated oriental such as slanted eyes, overbite, and mustard yellow skin color. And the whole term oriental comes from Western people having to reorient the map to see Asia. The world is a globe. So think about how wildly offensive that is, of just like, oh, you're oriental, because in order to see where you're from, we have to reorient the map. Yeah. That's fucked up. Um, And then, so then you have that, they're just like, pretty much just making up things. Add to that, you had in 1882 the Chinese Exclusion Act, and there was also this, after World War II, the alien land laws, and those two things pretty much barred Asians from integrating into most aspects of American society. And then in media, you had the Hayes Code, which we've been over a bunch, and part of that code was restricting casting non-whites in any role that might perceive as a love interest for white actors and white actors' characters. So to get around that, all right, well, you have a white actress, and she falls in love with this Asian character, but it's not really an Asian character. It's really a white man played so by an Asian character. So when she kisses him, it's not an abomination because she's actually kissing a white person. Yeah, and so then because of all of this, you're getting fed all of this. You're not learning the history of like, well, the reason that there aren't as many Asian actors maybe is because one, you didn't want to have them because you're racist. And two, there are a whole bunch of exclusion acts. So you're trying to keep Asians out and from, you know, coming into the country and being like, no, here you are. You're, you're welcome. You've from before they even came to the country, you had, um, productions going around showing like the slanted eyes and and really these racial stereotypes that perpetuating so before anybody even meets anyone who's asian these are the stereotypes that you're getting and then you wonder oh why do audiences prefer a fictionalized asian that they can other that's a lie rather than casting somebody who's actually asian and then you have to recognize their humanity it's be mm-hmm. it's the same reason that mm-hmm. you have to stop you can't teach black history in its completeness, which is American history, because that makes your tummies upset. <laughs> like basically, it's all about people's tummies being upset. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's the that's the whole problem with and it, it's also this movie, it's stereotype, it's lampooning everybody. And there'll be people who are like, but what's the big deal? Everybody's getting lampooned, you know? But the big deal is, is that because there aren't a lot of 
we don't have other Asian representation for people to see. So imagine, put yourself in a young Asian kid's seat. You're going in 1976 to see this film. You're probably one of a handful of Asian people, or maybe you're in the community, but maybe you're in the suburbs or something about around mostly white people and, you know, your friends and stuff, and you're sitting there. And then how many times have you seen, how many times in this show have we done a POC and counted Asian people? Like, oh, this person, there was an Asian, like, very seldom. Maybe on five fingers that we can name films and we can't really name main characters, maybe one or two. So you're not getting a representation. The only representation you're getting of Asian-ness is Mickey Rooney and his yep. disgusting portrayal in um, Truman Capote's his, breakfast, uh, breakfast, breakfast at, at Tiffany's. Tiffany. And then you're getting Peter Sellers here playing this. And so then you know it's like... You can, I can just imagine that if you were just a, yeah, like a little Chinese kid and you're just like, oh, man, oh, wait. And just and then ever, and then you get outside and everybody's like, oh, you don't know how to speak, you know, like do like throwing back, like use your prepositions and all, of, you know, like just all of that junk. And meanwhile, it's not like the, the Chinese kid can go to the um, I don't know, like because the white people don't have it broken down by, oh, no, I'm English. Oh, I'm Irish. Oh, I'm. I'm French. Like, what are you going to throw back at them that's a stereotype that's hurtful from this? Oh, you're classy? <laughs> oh, you're white. You're classy. Well, they could have given them really bad teeth. Oh, oh, you have really bad teeth. But you see what I'm saying? Like, there's so many different... We're inundated by the variety and the spectrum of whiteness. And you only have this little narrow thing of Asianness that isn't even being portrayed by a person who's Asian. Right. That's the problem. The what what is it with the teeth, Mickey Rooney and Peter Sellers? I I don't understand the, the because teeth it's an othering. Thing. Yeah, it's an it's an othering. It's it's how they like blackface and they make fun of lips. Yeah, you know, it's that. It's the it's a it's to to disassociate whiteness right. and them, and that's an other. And so then you can because when you look at somebody as an other, it's easier for you to um you know, to, to keep your position in society. I wanted to call out Michelle Yeoh, who made history recently as being the first Asian Best Actress nominee for an Oscar, yes. which is also but crazy. First, I still really? haven't seen Everything Everywhere All at Once, which is what I really want to. I have, and um, oh my gosh, she is fantastic in it. I know, I've heard. Well, I saw an... Um, article there's a buzzfeed article about because she won a golden globe yes her best performance by an actress for that for that same film and um she said that early in her career someone said to her you speak english and she said i mean forget about them not knowing korean japanese Malaysian, Asian, and Indian. And then she said, yeah, the flight here was about 13 hours long, so I learned it. <laughs> um, but my favorite part of her speech was when the pianist began to play, like, you know, they start to play the music because it's time to get off the stage. And she said, shut up, please. I could beat you up, okay? And that's serious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there, I read in that st in that article that I was um, talking about 
with the whitewashing, because that's also a thing. In addition to yellow face, there's also whitewashing, which that's what basically um, they try to pass off as American history, which is is to just exalt all of the European. It, it's just to basically uphold white supremacy and to not acknowledge the actual truth of how we got to where we are, which was a lot of nefarious things that were done. But when you can't take account of that, you're only putting up like, oh, which we'll get into that because this movie came out in 1776. That's a bicentennial. So I got I got some calls. 1976. Yeah. Um, but anyways, in movies, only 4.4% of speaking parts are to Asians. Hmm. And that's just Asian. And that's like what you were saying, Christine. You have Koreans, Japanese, Chinese. Um, they lump Indian, Filipinos with like everybody gets lumped into this whole big Asian Southeast thing. Asia. I was something that I didn't even go into with this because there's more to the fact that he's playing a Chinese um, inspector and his adopted son is Japanese because of like, you know, that's a thing. That we don't, we definitely don't get it, uh, any education on as far as American history, but the whole Koreans versus Chinese versus mm-hmm. Japanese versus Korean, like the whole area, oh, yeah, all got beefs. So that's a whole inside joke in and of itself, kind of thing. Um, yep. Okay. Um, so uh, we are to nerd alerts. And well, I only I only had that it was spoofs of fictional detectives. Yes. I've got a couple of good nerd alerts. I started out like setting the picture with 1976. The top movies were All the President's Men, Silver Streak, King Kong, A Star is Born, and Rocky. And the Oscars, the best pictures were Taxi Driver, Network, Bound for Glory, All the President's Men, and Rocky. So we've we've done all of those movies except for Bound for Glory, right. 1976. Um, in 1976, the Apple Computer Company formed. In mm-hmm. 1976, you have Pol Pot and the Khmer Rouge just working their way toward killing too many two million people in Cambodia. Um, and then speaking of murder, have you all heard of Bradford Bishop? He was a man who killed his wife, his mother, and his three sons who were age 5, 10, and 14 in Bethesda, Maryland. Whoa. The bodies weren't discovered until 10 days later in North Carolina. Yes. The bodies were like in I've North Carolina. I've heard about this guy. Okay. Because I kind of did it, and I was like, but maybe I have, because I'll just let the stuff come in and wash it out so that I can live yeah. my life. Um, so he's he was never caught. He's never been caught. And in March of 2021, the FBI confirms that an adopted woman, woman she did one of those DNA testing services. And it could, the FBI confirmed that he is her biological father. Oh wow! So oh. I don't know if I don't know how old this woman is. I don't know, like, but yeah, that man he went and did all of that, killed his own his own kids and his own mother. 
I mean, and his wife, that's bad, but like, okay. Then this is for Teeny. Actually, I'm going to save that. So it's a nice, a nice sorbet after this that I'm going to talk about. So this movie came out in June 1976, which was the bicentennial because of, of the United States. Because 1776 was when the, you know, the colonists were like, we shall have no more. And they declared their independence from the tyranny of kings. Well, I started watching the 1619 Project and learned a few things. Like, so, because it's always, it was always kind of weird to me. Okay. You know how there, we always say the patriarchy like, ah, oh, yeah, the patriarchy, because the men are at the top, and they pass down, and it always passes through the father and stuff, and it's like, oh, yeah, well, you are whatever your father is and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. But then when it came to the slave owners, it was like, oh, yeah, you are whoever your father is. And see, like, the slave owners, they're, that's property, and you want to buy another person to work so that you can make more money, you would have to buy that person. But if you just rape somebody that right. you don't see their humanity mm-hmm. and you then you're creating another person so it's in your best that capitalism at its finest there folks of just creating your own creating your own property and then you get to more and more money so i always thought it was very interesting that the white uh plantation owners and whatnot were going around raping all these women and having these little little me's going around and but in england it was like um but that's the patriarchy and so your titles come down through the father so their father is a white man and their mother's a, a an enslaved person a black woman then in england their little children would be entitled to um titles and wealth that came down from the father because it would be mm. people of wealth who would be raping them because they were able to they had the financial ability to own people so i mean you're not talking about right so so in the south the southern colonies were like well wait a second it's actually in our best interest to join the revolution against england because according to english law all of these all of my offspring that I don't look at as my offspring would be entitled to parts of my wealth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, money and all that under British law. So in Williamsburg, this is interesting because this is in Virginia and I do not, I might've been absent this day of history class. Could have been uh, absent. I was like in Brooklyn? Forgot that Williamsburg. No, you have Williamsburg. There was John Murray, fourth Earl Dunmore. He was the governor of the Virginia colony. And he came out with the Dunmore Proclamation in November, November 1775. And in it, he promised freedom to any indentured servants, enslaved African Americans, or others held in bondage by American revolutionaries, so long as they were willing to bear arms for British troops fighting against American forces during the Revolutionary War. So my man was like, y'all revolutionary? Y'all want to, to fight against the crown? So then he went, he was like, hey, guys, 
Y'all want your freedom? Fuck yeah, motherfucker, we do. All right. Pony up, get this red coat on, and we're in it. So just based on how, and, and there had, I forget, there was, um, there was like some actual like regiment that had formed and was dealing, was just taking out the, re- the revolutionaries. They were just, because they, they had that fight in them, and they were just, man, and the, 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 the colonists were like, um, um, what, what's, what's going on? So if you don't think that, so, because I, I needed to know Dunsmore, so I was looking it up, and of course on the internet, there's people going, oh, that Hannah Nicole Jones peddling false history of like, like saying that how this impacted the revolutionaries wanting to exacerbate their freedom and join up. And it's like, how do you get the North and the South together to fight against that? Well, I don't know. Maybe you, you threaten to like freedom and, and like, you know, that the plantation owners were not happy about that Dunsmore proclamation. Cause look at the date. November 1775, the Declaration of Independence, July 4th, 1776. It was like as soon as the word traveled, they were like, oh, yep, all right, we got to go. And if you don't believe that, ask yourself again how the colonists paid for the revolution against England. England, that the sun never set upon its empire. You're going to take on them. What did you, where, how'd you get the money? You had to have loans. What'd you put up for collateral? You're Follow too- the money all the way back to their property. You cannot, you've tried for 200 years to whitewash the history of what made America, but America's founding, boom, bam, bean, right at my black feet. <laughs> all right. And finally, to, to, to add a little levity. And thank 19- you. In 19- Time for levity. In 1976, have you heard of the Judgment of Paris? No. That was the French versus California wine-off. A blind taste test in Paris, in. France. Immediately, let me do it. it. It happened. It happened, Teeny. It was 1976. And in a surprise upset, California won the blind taste test. And that win is what opened up the door for other countries. California became famous for wine? It's how we got so that we could have California, so we could have Argentinian wines. So that all of these different wines, Australian wines, all these wines from other places, no longer could the French poo-poo them. Because they, they won in a blind taste test. And it was like, oh, okay. So 1976 is when the French had to relinquish their iron fist upon... They were not happy with that. You think? I'm surprised they didn't try to pull a a Haitian thing and try to make all the wine people, like, um, owe reparations for their own winemaking freedoms. It was not until, like, just a few years ago that, that I was brought to the realization that the white slave owners were having sex with the slave women to just up there. Really, that did not cross my mind. But you're saying you're having sex. They call it what it is. Well, rape. Raping women. 
Exactly. I thought it was just they were getting their jollies because uh, masculine toxicity, but it was to up your numbers of of how many people you owned. Mm -hmm. That I really did not. That. Yeah. So that that when my dad did his ancestry DNA, because I already knew when well. I kind of just had a feeling, but when I got mine back and it was like 66% European, I'm like, now the 50 I got, but what is this 16% you say, this extra 16%? And you then you look back at it and you're like, oh, the Portuguese, mm-hmm. Irish, and then the generations, and it's like, got some rapist in me. Wow. But look at me. I'm not sad. I mean, I'm, I'm mad about like what happened, but I can still talk about it, and uh, you know, like I can still learn the history. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Ooh. because I saw um, somebody put on a website the the books that you can go to prison if you have if you give them to children in school in Florida. I had the majority of those in my classroom library, you know. Well, Two things about that. One, uh, libraries are hilarious. Uh, I mean, not like in theory, in, <laughs> on TikTok. La- there's a few libraries that have just really nailed TikTok, but um, I saw one, that was just, like just a reminder for all kids out there, if you're, if you go to your school library and they're trying to find a book and it's banned and it's not there, you can go to your local library and they're going to have it. Mm-hmm. Also, Florida. So yesterday I was chatting with a girl from my gym who recently moved here from India. And we were just talking about how much max vet visits have cost. Um, she, but she was like, I was like, I can't believe like healthcare, you know, I was like, well, it's a dog, but also yes, healthcare. She was like, it's crazy here. And then we got in the conversation about me and another girl were saying something about Florida. And we were like, oh, we'll never live there. And then the girl from India was like, why? Like, what's, like, what, you know, why? So it was kind of hilarious to be able to try to explain Florida to somebody who has no context of Florida to be like, well, here are the, let me list the ways. Crazy. It, it is pretty crazy. It, it, it's just very crazy. Because but also, also crazy to hear, you know, people from other countries be like, wow, the healthcare here. And you know and why? She was like, she was like, my, my family was always like, oh, you got to go to America, opportunities, whatever. And then she's like, going to get here. I'm like, okay. She's like, I would never have kids here. You can't afford it. Like mm-hmm. the childcare is terrible. And like sending a kid to school, anything could happen. It's not safe anymore. Like Exactly. A first grader can bring a gun in and just shoot his teacher. And when they get told mm-hmm. about it, they're like, he can't have yeah. it in pockets. He's got small pockets. No way. He's got tiny pockets. He's got tiny little pockets. That logic. But that's that's something that I wanted that man in his 10 list of how white supremacy hurts people. That I have two words. Well, I don't know how many words. Maybe it's three. But the healthcare <laughs> system. The whole reason that our healthcare system is so expensive and so fucked up has its roots in mm-hmm. caste. Yeah. Because right. because 
Exactly. You're so busy trying to keep, oh, because it, putting that stereotype of lazy, don't want to work, all of that. Meanwhile, when they do work, you burn it to the ground. And you, but you can't teach that because it's, it's all, I mean, then I come out here sounding like I'm Aaron X, this revolutionary, <laughs> but I'm just following the facts here of, because it's, it's an advertising. It's like what my man Cary Grant said in North by Northwest about the advertising. That's mm -hmm. what it is. You have to make it be them believe that the inner cities, code words, urban, dangerous, lazy, don't want to work. The welfare queen, she might not have even been black. Gotta, you got to always make it out, all of these things. So then it's like, oh, healthcare, healthcare for all. No, they can't have it. They're lazy. I don't want them to have it. Now look at all of us. All of us are getting screwed. I did read an article, United Health Group profits last year. $20.1 billion. Wow. I'm just a crazy person. I'll put this on wax. I do not believe that a health insurance company should be in it for profits. Right. Right. You should be able to you make all your money to cover all your bases and do the business. But you're going to tell me that 20 they could buy the Dallas Cowboys like three times. That's how much of a profit that they made. And think about all the people that they've killed because they denied not medically necessary, not medically necessary. That's white supremacy hurting white people. Mm -hmm. We don't hear that, though. Well, they'll spin it so that it doesn't seem. Somebody, this is very off topic. Something I learned this week about oh. something that's been whitewashed in oh. history. Yes. And a character that, you probably already know this, but a character that was based off of a black woman, Betty Boop. I had no clue. What? I think oh, I do you not know about Betty Boop? I think I'd heard that way like in the past, but I need a definite refresher um you know i've got a tattoo appointment coming up and i was just was searching about things and i was like i you always have to make sure it's not racist these days you know mm -hmm. god forbid Good you idea. something on your body permanently yeah betty boop though um is actually based off of a black jazz singer named esther jones who's from harlem oh uh-huh um, Esther Jones was regularly known as, known as Baby Esther and performed regularly in the Cotton Club during the 1920s. Oh. And she was the original person, well, she was famous for doing the boop 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 thing. Mm. And after seeing Baby Esther, Helen Kane, who's a white woman, I believe, um, kind of, you know, uh, copier stole it, uh, stole it. Uh, and was like, hmm, that's kind of fun. So the caricature, Max Fleischer was the cartoonist who did all of this. Um, I lost my place. I'm so sorry. But yeah, they, I think they tried to say that. Okay, we're back. After seeing Baby Esther, Helen Kane adopted her style, adopted, stole her style, and began using boops in her songs as well. She found fame early on 
and then often included this baby style into her music. When Betty Boop was introduced, Helen Kane sued Fleischer, the cartoonist, and Paramount Corporation, stating they were using her image and style. However, video evidence came to light. This was kind of sweet revenge, not like perfect, but video evidence came to light of baby Esther or um, Esther Jones doing like performing in a nightclub. So the courts ruled that Helen Kane didn't have exclusive rights because she stole it from somebody else. So she couldn't sue for the Betty Boop likeness. Yeah. The caucasity of that woman. But she looked, I mean, Esther, yeah, it's like they were flappers. Also, then I started watching old Betty Boop cartoons, which like I'd seen as a kid, but holy shit, these things were terrible. No child should be seeing this. (laughs) She was totally being exploited exploited as a 16-year-old cartoon character. All of these mean men were trying to like get in their pants. And and that went right over our heads. It was just ah ha 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 ha. Yeah, watching it now is like very cringy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, but I have a nerd alert. Yes, mm-hmm. please. So I'm watching this movie. One thing about, well, I'm watching this movie. And I'm like, I know this story. Like, I've, I know this story. And one thing about me, I'm going to forget a book. I read it. I put it in my Goodreads. You couldn't ask me. I, could, I couldn't tell you what a name of a book is. I just, I don't know why. My brain doesn't keep these things. I've always mm-hmm. been bad at tests. And I think that was part of it. I don't know if it's my memory or what. But perhaps I read this book. I swear I read this book. Couldn't find it and couldn't find it in my Goodreads, like by the title. But I was like, I think it's the Agatha Christie book. Sure is. Now, I read this book last year. I innocently read Agatha Christie's book and then there were none. That's what it was called. Loved the story. Fascinating. It's the same exact story. Like they didn't barely change any of it. Interesting because um, it doesn't have any... I know. It's like based on it's just oh Neil Simon just wrote this. Oh yes. Neil? Okay, so here's listen to the plot of and then there were none, which was written in 1939. This is why I think it's based in the 30s. Eight people arrive on a small isolated island off the Devon coast, having each having received an unexpected personal invitation. They're met by the butler and cook slash housekeeper, Thomas and Ethel, who explained that their hosts. Ulick Norman Owen and Una Nancy Owen have not yet arrived, though they've left instructions. A framed copy of an old rhyme hangs in every guest's room, and on the dining room table sit ten figurines. After supper, a phonograph record is played, and the record accuses each visitor and Mr. and Mrs. Rogers of having committed murder, and then asks if any of the prisoners at the bar wishes to offer a defense. And it goes on to say, like, the guests um, like one of them finishes his drink and promptly dies of cyanide poisoning. It's just like very the point where they're like, who could have played the record? Like we were all in here the whole time. Like every single thing was pretty much the same. So it's like um, the next morning, which also gave very much glass onion vibes. Yes, I was just thinking that. Uh, so the next morning, Mrs. Rogers is found dead in her bed. 
By lunchtime, General MacArthur has died from a blow to the head. Oh, spoiler alert. It's, uh, you were going to read this book. Um, the guests realize that the nature of the deaths correspond with the respective lines of the rhyme, and three of the figurines are found to be missing. Um, so they all basically are dying off, and the book is called, and then there were none. So I finished the book. I loved it. I was like, this is such a great mystery. Agatha Christie, I love her so much. And then I go to find it in Goodreads and I was like, oh my God. I could only find a book called 10 Little Indians, but then it gets worse because the original title of the book was, well, somebody wrote it better than I could say. Um, 10 Little... And then she said, yeah, it contains that word. The one that begins with an N and ends with the R and is probably the biggest taboo in the English language. Ten little N-words? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's the original title of the book by Agatha Christie in 1939. It's based off of a poem. There was a, ch- I'm sorry, not a poem. A children's rhyme. Oh, is that in the EDBD My Emo? Same title. It's not Catch a Tiger by its Toe. Did well, you know it's not that? that rhyme? Yeah, I know that. Like, yeah, I do know that. Um, they have since rewritten it. <laughs> quickly, quickly. To be, to be Ten Little Soldiers. Um, it's based off of that. Oh, my God, I had it all pulled up. Which is like 10 little soldier boys went out to dine. One choked his little self and then there Mm -hmm. were nine. Mm -hmm. And it goes on and on, but that is not the original word. And so that's what the deaths are based. Like they killed off all these people. They start like they all died. They were like, so this poem in the book is all over the, in everybody's room. And that's how people die basically. Um, So it was released as the original name in 1939 in England or wherever. And then U.S. edition in 1940, they were like, we should probably um, not release it like that. So they released it as, as then there were none um, based on the last five words of the song. But then in 1964, they were like, why don't we just call it 10 Little Indians? That sounds of good. Of course. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Miss so that great. Was like, 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 wait a second. No, now just 10 mm-hmm. Little, and then there were not, there's no racial epithets anywhere. We need, we need else. slander. Yeah. So that was released that way until 1986. Um, so then I was like, well, let me do the Aaron Bush special. And I Googled <laughs> Agatha Christie racist. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, damn, I like this bitch. I like her books. Like, she's a good little, you know, they're not too long. They're pretty sure. Right. Always a good mystery. Yeah. So if um, this author wrote an art, it said, she said, I read an article the other day demanding to know why we hadn't canceled Agatha Christie for her rampant racism. Um, basically based on the title of that book and it's a fine line who knows you go into the gets into it like yeah it's she was like well she races of course look at the like you can't live in the world that she lived in and be who she was as associated with those people and assume she was not racist um but also talked about how that word was such widely used not that i'm you know 
and also a lot of her books seem to make like this book was largely the book that I, at least the version I read was largely like kind of making fun of rich white people mm-hmm. and being like yeah. kind of being like they're all bad people too so I don't know I don't have a definitive answer for that but yeah um, it's it's one of these things like this movie where I think that it it's funny despite it's yellow face but if somebody is like no nah, fuck this movie mm-hmm. and fuck Peter Sellers like I can't mm-hmm. I can't I have no argument it's it's that's one of those things where I think it's it's kind of up to anybody if they want somebody wants to cancel this movie I'm like yeah I I understand mm-hmm. but yeah. I there are also like some really funny lines in this there, yeah the, the, this article talks about how language changes and all that, but she said, was she racist? Yes, it was the water she swam in and it would have been a struggle for her to swim upstream, a struggle worth doing, but I think perhaps she was doing a little bit of it when she portrayed white people as just as disposable. Um, but she said, and then she said, there are undoubtedly words we use today that 50 years from now will be considered utterly mm-hmm. unacceptable slurs. I remember mm-hmm. when transsexual was okay. And there are words we consider slurs today, which 50 years from now may have been completely reclaimed. Um, Mm -hmm. But she said, again, I'm not saying Christy wasn't racist. I'm just saying we can't use that awful title or is there only evidence of the facts? Because to her, it wasn't awful. But who knows? I just was like, I read this and then there were none. And then I go to Goodreads and I was like, what the fuck did I just do? I was like, do I even put it in there? I don't want people to know this about me. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I, I shouldn't know, bring. I thought it was shocking that it wasn't listed anywhere as like what this was based off. It was literally the exact same story, pretty for the most part, except for they wow. got they all die. But I wonder if it's because I looked up in IMDb for Glass Onion, and the writing credit is just Ryan Johnson. So I wonder. I don't know. I, I was thinking maybe as a in fair use at some point, or maybe there's just been so many different mysteries yeah. like this where. But then you have things like Murder on the Orient Express and mm-hmm. Death on the Nile that definitely are in their credits, say, based on an Agatha Christie. So I don't... Yeah, that's kind interesting. of... Interesting. So I shouldn't... They were like, we don't want to risk being, like, associated with the original title. Yeah. So we're just going to... But I bet they don't even that. know. Because that's that's the whitewashing right. of it, is that right. they don't even know. Right. Wow. Oh, that that was a that was a good nerd alert. So now we're to reheatables, and we have done the Charlie Chan impersonation thing. So it was so. I mean, as soon as you saw it, it was so offensive. Oh, it was, and I kind of knew because when I picked it, because I saw Peter Sellers and I saw the character he was playing, yeah. I was like, "Oh, this isn't gonna be good." Damn it! I. I think I saw this in 76. Okay, more on that later. Um, the treatment of everyone's plus one. Uh, it was mm-hmm. like uh, Charlie Chan. Uh, it wasn't Charlie, but Charlie Chan's adoptive son was treated like a piece of shit. The If you were a spouse, you were treated like a piece of shit. If you were, uh, I don't know what uh, Eileen... She was the sex. She's supposed to be Sam Spade's secretary. Yeah, right. 
quotation marks, secretary. But clean, but also clingy girlfriend kind of exactly. thing. Exactly. Yeah. So all of the plus ones were treated as less thans. Uh, and there were several racial and several gay slurs. Yes. I mean, Sam, Sp- Sam Diamond uh, went on a whole rampage. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Those were my outstanding negatives. I thought the intro was too long. Mm. I Way too long. Yes. Sydney Wang, I put that. That yeah, that's and then uh... there's also some fat phobia. Yes. Yeah, I picked up big on that. Yes. Like there was a quote, big house like man married to fat woman. Hard to yes. get oh yeah, they're like a big house. Big house is like a man married to a fat woman. Hard to get around. Right. Uh, Sam Diamond did a lot of talking about, yeah, if you haven't had a fat waitress, you haven't had. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And uh, the guy that was the Belgian guy, he was always like stuffing his face with food. At one point, oh, Sam, Sam Diamond called uh, Truman Capote's character a (laughs) butterball. At one point. And we are chuckling. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Were, were those all of yours, Christine? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like I didn't write a lot down actually. I had the the like with the exception of Willie Wang, the son. Like, yeah, they all had to be white. Like all these detectives. They mm-hmm. they all like everybody had, had from, to be white. Right. Um I I do like I did pick up on how these are all stereotypes, but like we mentioned before, there's just so many different European things. But like they were very stereotypical, and I mean, Sam Diamond was super American stereotypical, which is I actually I actually put that in my good reheatable. How like wow, they nailed <laughs> they, Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, and then yeah, like the stuff like they at one point there's something about sniffing out the Chinaman. They call him like laundry man, and then at one point Sam says sorry slanty. It's just real bad. Uh, yeah. Real bad. And then um we could put this in cast, but like black people, they the only time that they're mentioned in this film or even that their existence that black people exist is when they show an African death mask. And they were referred to, and they referred to their tribal, like, oh, it's in the tribal thing, which I just want to point out that that just strips them of their humanity. And I believe also implies that they're too stupid to solve crimes. And that... That was the whole point of the poem. Right. If you read the whole poem, the ten little whatever you want, whatever racial slur that you want to use, and apparently... The whole point of the poem is like you do something dumb and then die. Like it's all stupidity. Right, right. The only, yeah. Let's do Mm -hmm. 10 little Karens. Yeah. Oh my God, that's perfect. 10 little Karens. 10 little Karens. I like that. So those were my negative reheatables. Okay, positive. Sexy Maggie Smith. (laughs) My God. And, and we love Nick and Nora. I mean, 
we oh. love them. And so, I mean, I had a dream so about who I recasted as Nick and Nora because, yeah, okay. Uh, a $300 suit in 1960, there's a reason why I chose that date, would be a $3,008 suit today. Is that like cheap for a suit suit today? I have no idea about suit. I pricing. think it's I no, that's I expensive. feel like that's a nice a nice suit. Three thousand. It wouldn't be no. I don't know. An extremely nice suit. Yeah, like yeah, like but you I could might, go into it's London an and for us. But is that is the kind of person who would be a billion like is a billionaire going like that's a cheap suit? That's what that's what I meant by that. I don't think uh, oh. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what a like a Savillo suit would yeah, be. Yeah, that's today. what I'm saying. Yeah, that's out of our pay grade to know. And and the Nick and Nora martinis. I mean, first of all, there is a payphone on the side of the road, and second of all, they have martinis in martini glasses as they're trying to get directions. Loved it. And the bar in the mansion. That was a pretty nice bar. Mm-hmm. Christine? I I know that Ray Ray was um, credited as the screaming doorbell. So, Did you see that? Wait, Faye who Ray? was? Oh, Faye, Faye Ray? Ray. Yeah, yeah. Oh! Yeah, from King Kong. King Kong. Oh, it was her scream from yeah, King yeah. Kong. And she got credit for that. Oh, uh-huh. oh I didn't know that. Um, she's white so they had to make sure they gave her the credit Mm -hmm. skinny and beautiful right and she was screaming because a black king kong was obsessed with her i like the word sloppy i feel like that is a word that we use a lot now that is you know sloppy has been brought back yes sloppy has and then dinner wasn't nine o'clock and that is a good reheatable for me because that is the earliest we usually eat. So wow, yeah, that is my bedtime. That's lights out. I know, <laughs> like that's a, when people eat here. <laughs> but but in actuality, we eat at the same time around. Well, I guess six thirty. Yeah, we're eating together. Yep. Yeah, nice. Exactly. Oh, I mean, yeah, God. we're usually eating around nine thirty. Yeah. Yeah, so it, I think we are, because I'm usually like six, th- around seven. Mm-hmm. Was that all? Yeah. I also had, I just, I have to, because I love this so much, when he was just holding the cocktail glass and just outside. <laughs> the fact that, okay, they caught Lionel, I don't know if you guys caught this, but Lionel was the Truman Capote character. They mentioned that they ca- he got caught selling porno Bibles. Yes. And- yeah. And trafficking, trafficking white people to Mexico to pick melons. Yes. And I just yes. want to say, and the and the white Bibles they couldn't get back from the church because they had pornography in them, and the church wouldn't give them back. Yeah, wouldn't give them back because. But he's a billionaire, so I'm like, yeah. How do you think he became a billionaire? He doesn't care who he's trafficking to pick melons in Mexico, <laughs> and like, like most billionaires. I don't know. Show me the one that's like you. You accumulate that much money. I feel like you're probably not a great person, but yeah. hey, prove me wrong. He would go to France to hunt poodles. 
Oh, that's oh yeah, poodle hunting. That's a negative. That's. I only put it as a good reheatable because it just shows you like billionaires. <laughs> billionaires get a billionaire. And then I thought that this was like that is a negative reheatable. This is also a bad reheatable in that that's what makes him a queer bird to the American. And that's a quote from what Sam Diamond right, said. Right. Called him. I was like, that's a bit the pot calling the kettle black, my man. <laughs> Like all of those things that he did, or that those all seem like very American capitalistic things to do. I mean, the the going to France to hunt poodles, but you know what? That seems like very on brand American as well. So exactly, I can see Donald Trump Jr. doing that. Yeah. Um. Sam asking Dickie, "What's his deal?" And Dickie saying, "Like, I'm classy." And then, I'm sorry, but I do have that whole waitress bit in because it, because Sam Diamond is such over-the-top American idiot. And he's like, oh, yeah, classy. Have you been with a fat waitress? Like, like, it's just, it's cringe-inducing, but it's also like, this guy's an idiot. Yes. Yeah. I I love it. Um, that, that he's being skewered as such. But then there's also people who probably look at it and are laughing like with him and stuff and then that's well fat people you know go, fuck you but yeah 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 um and like and basically i think this is a good reheatable is just how how american the american stereotype of sam is just he's racist he's homophobic and he is wildly shooting off bullets everywhere <laughs> It's and he has a, a bullet hole in his white in his, dinner jacket. In his white dinner jacket. He's just always got his gun out. He's he's always talking, saying, yeah. you you know that that man did not get the vaccine. Like, <laughs> just <laughs> off jump. He didn't. He's totally watching Tucker Carlson and is scared of the woke mob. He doesn't want, like, he, I was just like, wow, they have nailed Americana right yeah. there. There's your America, America. Take a good look in the mirror. That's right. Doesn't know a goddamn thing about what he's talking about, but just shooting off bullets. That's right. There you go. And that makes him right. So we're to quotables. And this, I think this was Sam Diamond who said, someone went to a great trouble to make welcomed guests feel not so welcome. I don't know, that seems a little intelligent for Sam Diamond, but maybe. And then, uh, okay, the uncomfortable character of Charlie Chan saying to his son, after his son said, I don't hear nothing, what do you hear? And and he said, a double negative and a dog. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing. Like, Peter Sellers, his humor cracks me up, but I couldn't. I just couldn't get over, like, in this. I'm not, I, I am still of the thing where I, I will still watch Peter Sellers and let him crack me up. But in this film, I was just yeah. like, I, I can't. Not, I just yeah. know too much now. I can't, I can't laugh at you doing this, even though, I, and then it's, it's just so unnecessary. So yes. unnecessary. That's Agreed. the thing. Agreed. You could have, have Benson, Benson Fong, like, play him. And there were, I mean, you are on the West Coast. Come on. You got some Asian people that you could pull in there. 
and then when Maggie Smith goes, don't let him park the car, Dickie. Yes. Um, but this was Sam Diamond. My school is the streets, and looking down the barrel of the pointed revolver is my teacher. Yeah. See, that's that man. That's why we want to arm teachers. That's <laughs> yeah. right. Because we don't have enough um, school shootings. Um, I forgot to say one of my positive or hateables was the name. Instead of being named James Benson, he was James Sir Benson Mom. Mm-hmm. Benson Mom. James Sir. Um, okay. I had to pull up the quotes here. Oh no, I just had it. I'm so sorry. Oh, here we go. Fine. There we go. Ah, here we are. The late Mrs. Twain's room. She died in here. Oh dear, died of what? She murdered herself in her sleep, sir. You mean suicide? Oh no, it was murder, all right. Mrs. Twain hated herself. (laughs) (laughs) There were some really good good quotes. Yeah, good quotes. Um, I'm sorry. These dogs are running all around like crazy. Their nails, the their nails clearly need to be cut. Their nails clearly need to be cut. Um, cut the malarkey. Mm-hmm. I want to bring malarkey back. Malarkey. Yeah, I support that. But, but wait, I have to do. I have to Google it. Make sure it's not racist. Yeah. So you do. Oh my gosh. Is malarkey racist? So so we'll put um, a pin on yeah. bringing malarkey back. Um. Since we can't call for a doctor, I'll need a cold compress for my chauffeur and a cup of hot chocolate for me. Uh, this is a French saying. Ne sais pas. Ne pas. Ne sais pas. I don't know. Ne sais pas. But, I don't know. I said it but all the time. But Dr. Ben Simone said, I don't think we need, we have any Nespa, sir. Just Hershey's. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then after all the lights went out, in the dining room. Be quiet, everyone. I smell something. It's good God, Franks and beans. <laughs> and I'm afraid that's all we have, sir. Um, and then this was, oh, we didn't talk about this. Oh, we didn't talk about this when cast. I meant to talk about how they treated blind people. Yes. So dumb. There was a moment where they were trying to figure out if the butler was blind. <laughs> One of them said, he's blind, all right. Those were my funniest faces. Uh, yeah, they treated blind people like they were, like, As blind well as and people who can't and, hear and, and speak, yeah. 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 Um, and then this was another good quote for me, my last one. There's a number on the wall for all of us, and if tonight's the night they pick mine, then so be it. Mm. That's good. I have, there are a lot of wang jokes. Somebody, so at one point, somebody said, said a white wang. <laughs> um, and then uh, I think this was Sam. He's had a lot of dimes. He was like, just like a dame. And then he definitely said this to, to Tess. Oh, man. When, when they were in the car and they, he ran out of gas. <laughs> and he goes, I want you to know. I'll be waiting for you, baby. And he made Tess go out and get the... And there's a, there's a tasty titty on that scene later. And um, then later, 
later when she was like, well, it would have been there sooner if you'd have told me when I went to get gas, we needed oil too. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, when uh, Inspector Wang says that's why I, I adopted him because he was to get the the uh, suitcases and stuff. He was like, oh, I'll have somebody get those. He's like, no, that's why I adopted him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that made me laugh. This is another Samism. He said, why don't you just push her wheelchair down the driveway? We've got business here. <laughs> <laughs> and then there are a bunch of classy ones, but uh, when the guy played Dickie, <laughs> they came in. Because it was they they spent the night and they there were all these things to to kill him and they all survived and the thing for Dick and Dora was a scorpion and it came in and the guy's like he he he's just he's doing his like English white man just talking and stuff and explaining everything and and the Dora's always like um yes but can we go is always trying to like hurry up and get up and then because you find she got out, bitten by the scorpion yeah exactly she got bitten by the scorpion it has like 15 minutes and he's just like we'll make it darling never fear just like just has to keep talking and stuff and her life is on the line so that was the rest of mine are in my MVP oh okay so we are to LVP and my LVP is what we thought was funny in 1976 the sad thing is that your M- that's your L L L L V P. Yeah, the thing is, is that if if we had better education and like people like to say, oh, we can't make jokes anymore, and we can't. It's like no, we can't make. The reason why we can't make jokes is because we weren't taught the correct history. Exactly. If we were taught the correct exactly. history, then. Uh, not all the jokes certainly would fly, but a lot of the stuff, same stuff would still and it fly. Been, the jokes would have been different. Yeah, exactly. and it would have been just as funny. Like, they're still just as funny Maybe get jokes. funnier. You might Maybe have to work funnier. a little harder, yeah. think a little deeper. Yeah, don't do just the surface jokes, but yeah. Bring some other people in that have, like, okay, you're going to make fun of Asian people, but, like, bring Asian people in and have them write, you know, like, bring in those jokes. You were making it's easy to make fun of deaf and blind people. Hey, what's something funny? You know, like it's not like the humor's dead. It's not. Right, but when you right. can bring it people in so that we're laughing at, at different things instead, we're laughing at our oneness, well, right, our humanity. It's the way you do it. There's a way to tell a story that's funny because of one reason, but then you do something. So there's this my TikTok corner. Um, there's a girl that I. These two girls I follow on TikTok, they're nothing like me. They're beautiful blonde college students. They're twins. Oh, I, don't, I mean, I, I just hear, like, okay, you're not blonde. And yeah. you're no longer a college but student. But... But I don't know why. I just, they're silly. And the girl <clears throat> found a story today on TikTok about how she went to get her nails done. I'm sure you know she's going. But it was going to be a fine and funny story because her she was talking about how bad her toes looked and like how she was like, my for whatever reason, my big toenails just cracked both down the middle. So she was like, I know they were talking about, like, I couldn't understand what they were saying, but I know it was going to be about my toenails that I felt so bad. And like, that was going to be funny in itself because you know they're talking shit about your toenails. Exactly. Like, and you feel bad about yourself because you're like, God, I know, like, it's bad. But then... Instead of just saying what the nail technician said, no, she no, said no, it no. in an accent. No. And it's like, 
why did you even need to do that? Right. It was bad and like they were making fun of you because your toes look like shit. Mm-hmm. It, you're actually the dumb one because you couldn't understand what they were saying. Like right. you're the dumb dumb that only knows one language. Right. And you were making fun like, of all you had to do was be like, yeah, they said yeah. they said this shit about my feet. And then you had to go and like mimic an accent. Like But why? the reason why is be- it's because of, of movies like this. Yeah. That's the reason why. Yes, because exactly. that's, that's the only well, that's representation. Why. Yes. Yeah. And but it's like, there, it's just totally unneeded. There's nothing so awful. I was sitting in a parent-teacher conference with my co-teacher who was Korean and the parent mimicked an Asian accent in that conference. And I, I, I froze. I should have said something I froze because I felt her discomfort and I felt my nausea and I didn't say anything to the parent, but it was so awful, so uncomfortable. Yeah, but but because of, that's why it just, it gets me so angry because then like you pointed out and like with the yellow face and the Mm -hmm. whitewashing and all of that, then it gets pointed out, like in the article, Scarlett Johansson is like whitewashed playing a lead in this movie. I think it's like Ghost in the Shell or something. And then you'll hear her and some people will get, and I understand where she's coming from as far as getting defensive because that's the ego in you of like, I'm an actor. Like I can imagine that Peter Sellers I don't know. I could see it as like he's of that time who is just being racist. It's it is racist. I'm not gonna say that it isn't, but I can also see where somebody would look at it, and I don't agree with this, but I I'm putting myself in somebody else's shoes of saying that I'm an actor. Why this can't is I the play? Part they gave me yeah. Right, like when Alice Guinness in this, he's he plays all these different parts, and in one part he plays a woman, and because he's was supposed to be playing that, and I. It's just interesting because it, it, I can see how an actor is like, I want to be an actor, but it's also, but you're a white male actor and you, in your place in the world and in society, that's where the privilege is. But people don't, because it's the ego, they don't like to take, they don't like to take that L. Like they don't like, just like, hold your head, take the L, like take mm-hmm. the loss. And you, it's you're so uncomfortable because you don't want to be uncomfortable. You don't want to learn. Like it's easy to be defensive. And probably if I saw this movie 10, 15 years ago, I would probably be like, I don't understand. Like it's yeah, it's bad and it's aged, but I don't understand why it's so bad. But then when you sit and learn and you put yourself in another person's shoes, and it's those little microaggressions that make it okay for that person to then be sitting across from somebody who's Asian and to slip into an accent because oh, I don't mean anything by it. But oh, no, I'm just saying what I heard. Yeah, but yeah. that's 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 horrible because you're otherizing somebody. And the, the English language is very hard and difficult to learn. And a lot of us don't know another language. And so it's very mm-hmm. easy. Like you'll hear people who are, um, are native Spanish speaking people confuse their not confuse, but um, like B's and V's are right. very similar. Right. So then if you want to do a caricature of that, you're going to do that. But the reason that there, there's a reason why there, that, that, that 
is a common mistake and it has to do with this person is more educated than probably you are because they know another language mm -hmm. and oh they can't mm -hmm. say everything exactly the same way like you're gonna if you're gonna speak spanish people are gonna make fun of how you speak spanish if you're a native yeah. english speaker and stuff and that's like you just have to you just have to hold your head with it. Like you just have to t to take that. But people, it, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying at this point. It's just it's it's just so frustrating. I do know that when we yeah, when yeah, I was I in Germany it. and I would speak my broken German, they embraced it because they saw that I was trying. You know, they didn't go, oh no 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 no, say it this. Way. You know, they were like. They didn't say, but it was like, thank you for trying. Now I'll speak English to you. Yeah, so but also, you know, Ma, though, like, you're white, though, too. And that's, yeah, like, yeah that's you true. do have, like, there is that as well. So it's, it's just, it's crazy to me how you don't want to look at it and see how much of the, and it, and it goes all ways. And the white supremacy is in the Asian community. It's in the black community. It's in all of it. It is just seeped all the way down into it. And so there's a lot of that within that. There are a lot of people uh -huh. who came to the United States and decided that they weren't going to keep the language that they came from. Which, yeah, that's a shame. You know, because they want it. They're like, no, we're American. Uh -huh. We're going to speak English. And and that then their kids kind of grow up and are like, but I, why didn't you speak Spanish to me when I was younger? Why didn't uh -huh. you speak? Some, you know, and like, a lot of teachers will tell parents in a parent teacher conference, speak English to your children so that they learn it, which I don't agree with. I let them let them use the. We saw it in in Germany that little kids could go up to the German uh, ice cream dude, order in perfect German and come back and speak perfect English, speak. Speak what's native to you and and embrace it all yeah and uh, yeah uh, yeah where are we oh my negative re my lvp was peter sellers in yellow face so yeah Heaney, what? same yeah so my mvp is the whole i felt like the whole meaning behind the whole film was making fun of murder mysteries and how they, at the end, they come up with, you know, somebody who they hadn't introduced through the whole story. And all of a sudden that's the, that's the murderer making fun of the, the genre of murder mysteries. Mm -hmm. I MVP was Sam Diamond. Cause <laughs> yeah. I thought, I just thought he was hilarious or who was the actor? Peter Falk. Peter Falk. And I love Peter Falk. I just thought mm -hmm. you, yeah, it was a, I thought he was hilarious. I, yeah, I think he's hilarious too, but I also, the reason I think he's hilarious is because of all of that that's being brought onto it that I think, you know, that just the, that we've already discussed, but I, yeah, that's a, that's a really good one. And he encompassed it like, all. He it was so good. Playing. Yeah, he was, it was he a good job playing the character. Yeah, yes. he embraced it. Yeah. So, so my MVP is Maggie Smith because I agree. There was this. There was this scene where when Elsa Lancaster was do, like, they came back in from the room and she was telling like the whole thing that happened and she was like, "I pooped my pants." Basically, I was so scared. Yeah. <laughs> and it just and it cuts to it cuts to Maggie Smith 
And I re- I rewound that and watched it like 10 times in a row because I laughed so hard at her line reading. How's she? It was just a pause. Like the timing and everything was perfect. She just does this pause and she has her drink up and she's like, I like her. I, I really like her. <laughs> like her reaction. She said that when the Truman Capote character, he like ricochets back out of the chair. She's just like, I hope he knows how to stop that thing. <laughs> And then there was some joke about like a dead body and why would anybody steal a dead body? And then that like her husband Dick has to like whisper like, why would it like whispers basically like that you know they're uh, people who do things with dead bodies and and she her reaction is just her eyes get wide. She's like, that's tacky. That's really tacky. <laughs> yeah. I was like, all I her lines. She was fascinated. Yes, like all her lines were. Just chef's kiss. I loved Maggie Smith in this. Okay, well, we are two recasting, and I did want my miss. Okay, uh, so I use the real names of the, uh, like, the person that they are uh, portraying. Okay, Mm -hmm. my Miss Marple, which was Miss Marble, I think, Margot Martindale, and Elsa Lancaster role. Yes. My parole, just because of how well he does accents, is Trevor Noah. Oh, he would be really good. Good. Okay. My Charlie Chan, uh, pretty much the only Chinese actor I know, Jackie Chan. Okay, that's a little problematic, Ma. (laughs) You got Google. You can look up and... and... But Jackie Chan would be great because it's a comedy. He has great comedic timing. Uh, My Sam Spade, um, Kevin James, not Kevin James, no, (laughs) Kevin Hart, Kevin Hart, not Kevin James, Kevin Hart. Yeah, he'd be pretty funny. Um, Because he could, you know, do all those. My Nick and Nora are Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively. Yes, I could see that. I think we can bring back some Nick and Nora with those two. I do, but I kind of prefer my Nick and Nora. I'm sure you do. And (laughs) my cook, who, you know, at the end, hello, is Wanda Sykes. Oh, yes. Mm. Teenie, did you have a recasting? Not today. So it's sunny in Philadelphia. It works. I know. <laughs> okay, so my recasting, because as I mentioned in my native reheatables, I was like, oh, so they all had to be white. So only white people are allowed to solve mm-hmm. crime. What? So I didn't go for a recasting, like, beat-by-beat character with this. I just went with the recasting of the same kind of conceit of these great detectives are all together and need to solve a crime so i went with um easy rollins and mouse mm-hmm. oh, okay. so i was like all right we'll bring in denzel washington and don Cheadle yeah to play easy rollins and his plus one would be mouse yes oh my god yes and then for um remember okay 
I there was a show on HBO and it only ran for one season and I highly recommend you watch it on HBO Max. It's called The Number One Ladies Detective Agency. Mm-hmm. And so we have Precious Remote Sway mm-hmm. played by Jill Scott. And then her plus one would be her secretary, Grace Makutsi, played oh, by Anika so Noni Rose. Oh and my god, that was if you cute. like if you like murder mysteries, like check this out. It was shot in Botswana. It was it's only one season. I was so sad when they didn't renew Me it. Too. It was so great. They were they were it was a, each week was a detective thing in Botswana. It was just something like you just never see. It was fantastic. I it loved was. it. It was. So they're there. They're bringing them in. Then we got to bring my main man, Benoit Blanc, in with da- as Daniel Craig playing him. He's got to uh-huh, be in there. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then as Charlie Chan, I have Ronnie Chang, who's a comedian. You see him on, if you yes, watch yes, the yes. Daily Show Daily and stuff show. like that. Yes, yeah, yes. bring him in. And then a Japanese detective. Um, there's a famous Japanese detective called... Kusuke Kindaichi, apologies for butchering that, but that's a Japanese detective. And so I went with the actor Hiroyuki Sanada. He was the um, older gentleman in Bullet Train, if you watch that. Oh, okay. Yeah, so him, because I thought it would be, man, bring all these guys, because it's easy, like we were saying, like, oh, it's Asian, but like, no. This guy's Charlie Chan. He's Hawaiian Chinese. Bring in this Japanese guy. You got some, and definitely in this movie, we're bringing in all all different kinds of people into this right. writing thing. So right. they we're getting like authentic voices, and I'm sure that there's like shots that can get fired for the Chinese and Japanese and stuff that we don't mm-hmm. even know about. And then my Nick and Nora to to come in with the British. You got Tom Hedleston who plays Loki. Yes. And this, I was just like, I think I knocked it out of the park with this. I think that she would be fantastic as Nora. Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Oh, wow. I mean. Yeah. Oh, yes. Of Fleabag fame and other things. She is hysterical. Yes. Both of those as the, the the English white people and then like the rest of the cast and they have to I'm like, man, I will watch this. You get some good writing with this. Yeah. This would be hilarious. Easy Rollins and Mouse. Are you kidding me? With yeah. the comedy? Benoit yeah. Blanc? Man, come on. Writes itself. Okay. She did better than I did. So we're to Tasties. And I Oh, uh, Elsa Lancaster and Estelle in the wheelchair hated each other. Really? So usually oh. when two actresses hated each other, there was usually a man involved. I don't, oh. I don't know why they hated each other, but it was like the Betty that, and Joan thing. Is that real or is that what, like, the patriarchy wash of how we probably, get led to... Probably. Orson Welles was considered to play Inspector Wang, but he had another commitment. Wouldn't that have been awful? I would, Orson Welles, I bet, wishes now that he, like, be, but I wasn't racist, or I wasn't that racist. <laughs> that's, that's how he would like that to go, I bet. And everything else I have has already been mentioned. 
I don't have any. I just have that Charles Adams, the creator of the Adams family, drew the art at the beginning and the end of the film. Mm-hmm. There were three deleted scenes. Um, there were three deleted scenes, and then there was at the very, I guess there's on TV, there's a scene, there's a version where this plays when everybody's leaving, Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson arrive as guests. Yeah. Um, the three deleted scenes were when the Charlestons, they almost run over Tess when she's returning to the car with gas. That got cut. Yes. There's a scene where Mrs. Marbles is getting her cab fare, but I'm like, all right, that sounds like that should be cut, so that's good. And then um, Willie Wang finds a note in Lionel Twain's hand to remind, like, to stop the milk delivery. So I'm like, all right, that's that's all good. I'm I'm guessing Maggie Smith was probably hilarious when they almost ran over Tess in the car. So that's the only scene that I'm kind of like, oh, I wonder what that would have been like. This was shot all at the Warner Brothers studio in Burbank. And at the time it was called the Burbank Studios. Oh. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And I guess we might want to check this out, Teeny, because there's a follow-up film to this. I, I don't think it's a sequel because people are playing different characters. But Peter Falk plays a different character but he's basically i i hear doing the same thing like a humphrey bogart kind of thing and i think neil simon wrote it the cheap detective it's kind of a follow-up to this it was in 1978 so those are my tasty titties you know there's a lot there's a lot to unpack with cast and the way that history and society depicts itself and and those are the things that get passed down and what a society says about it and all of that. But there's also a lot of funny things in this and a lot there, of humor. There there uh-huh. is indeed. Yeah. And sure everybody's being made fun of. It's just to what extent. Yeah. It's just that's the thing. Everybody is being made fun of, but you can't hide behind that shield of like we're poking fun at everybody uh-huh, because uh-huh. everybody's not on the same footing. Exactly. In society. Exactly. Well, that is Death by Murder. Um, you guys might be a little mad at me for next oh, week. God, it's going to be four hours. Are you doing Dr. Shivago? It is an hour and 58 minutes. It comes in two minutes under teenies. It, it, it has 89% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is a 2005 psychological thriller. 2005? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that then. It is one of um, Ebert's, he had a, a thing out of um, films, underrated films that were good. Hmm. Okay. The theme is colonialism. Oh, 2005. It is, um, the director is Michael Haneke, Haneke, Haneke. Okay, we can watch it on Apple TV or Amazon. We have to pay for it to rent it. And it has subtitles. Colonialism. No, I saw. Subtitles. Michael, who who is an actor? Uh, Juliette Binoche. 
Are we doing chocolate? We are not doing chocolate with uh, no. 2005, Julia Binoche. Pretty dirty things? Dirty pretty things? No. Julia Binoche. I stumped her, Teeny. 2005. Oh, you sure did. It has two different names. Two different names. (laughs) I just repeat what you say when I'm stumped. (laughs) I know. (laughs) It is the film Cachet. Or also name as Hidden. It's huh. French. So we might need to drink Cache. some French wine. Or What do I put? It? Are we calling it cachet or are we calling it hidden? You can put both in your Google I guess search. I, I guess I'm going with cachet since it's French. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Interesting. Cache. It's about the Paris massacre of 1961. Of um, Algerian folk. Oh. So I thought after this um, 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 spoof of uh, uh, murder mystery, this would be an interesting psychological thriller. I really okay. hoped it was dubbed, but it is subtitles. So anybody but, who gets bored with the subtitles, that's okay. Just I when I was in college, sorry, Ma, but when I was in college, this was a uh, was a class. Like it was a class where we watched a movie with the subtitles, mm-hmm. and then we watched the same scene with it dubbed. And ever since that, yeah. like seeing them back to back, I can't I can't do dubbed. Because, and like, shout out to the dub actors. They're really working their best, yeah, but they're yeah. not the ones that are that are the actors. And, and you miss out on, even though it's very interesting, because even though you don't speak the language when you're reading it, and the, also, you know, I understand that's for people, like, if you're able to read subtitles for whatever reason, you know, um, that that's like a privilege that you have with it. And so dubbed is definitely for, for um, like that is an important thing. I don't want to say like, oh, no, you should never do dubbed. But if you're able to read and do subtitles, that the subtitles are better, it's a, it's, a, you, it's a little bit of more work on your part, but there are things that you can get from the, um, you don't understand the, the words, but how something is said mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is is very important because it's almost there's some feeling I just fe- it, it's just a very interesting if I'm sure on YouTube or TikTok they probably have things where they show the differences and it's such a subtle difference in that when you're hearing somebody say something in a foreign language even if you can't understand the language there are things there are subtleties that you can and take out from how they're saying it mm-hmm, versus mm-hmm. if you have somebody who even if they're like doing their best and stuff that they're going to miss. So it is, it's very, it's very interesting. You can look more into it, but ever since I had that, cause I was the same way cause I'm not a strong reader. And ever since that class of seeing the things back to back, I'm like, Oh, I got, I got to do subtitle when I can, I got, I just have to, I just got to get better at it. And if it gets in your way, just, 
you know, just watch it without the subtitles and mm-hmm. t- take in the context clues. And yep. Um, yep. So but it, it's just it one could, of those things, like, if you can, I don't want to be ableist, but it's just a, a thing to point out. Yeah. And it could be a total dud. I have no idea, but I was a little interested. I am highly interested. All right. Okay, listener, this was Murder by Death, which was hilarious in 1976. It is enjoyable in 2023. Um, if you look past the, the um, bad well, You don't have to look past it. You just have to, to look at it, to take it all in as the mm-hmm. whole. Both things can be true. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Well, there you go, listeners. Bye. Bye.